Hey everybody, thanks for hanging out. We're here today with my friend Mark Rose. What's up, Mark? How are you? Hey, Larry. What's up with you, buddy? I'm good. Good. Yeah, yeah. Great. We just finished up the holiday season here in Chicago. And uh, I'm asking myself, I guess, as I always do, what the heck is Mark Rose doing? It's like, I swear, I, 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 turn, I turn away and I look back and you're doing something different. You're, you're on tour. You're touring Europe. You come back. You're touring the Midwest. Uh, <laughs> you're working on your company downright. Um, you know, writing songs for people and facilitating all that. You're always throwing some kind of cool event or some kind of show. Um, I'm trying to do all those things. Yeah, I mean, you're doing them. And I think I think everyone gets a good picture about what you're doing with those other things. But could you tell us maybe a little bit about Downright, you know, your company? Yeah, of course. So for starters, when you said that you're always asking yourself, what the heck? And I thought you were going to say, am I doing still living in Chicago when it's during this weather when things are really cold? But you know what? Anybody who's from here, we know we signed up for it. And I feel like we kind of secretly love it a little bit until we're a lot older. And then we want to go somewhere warm to like retire, right? Oh, oh yeah. There's a sense of, uh, I mean, nobody wants to have too much pride, but there's a certain sense of like, yeah, I, yeah I'm miserable 25% of the time just so that I can have this little <laughs> chip on my shoulder <laughs> well right and, and that's and that's the thing is that like i feel like it's not even it's not even being miserable that much because i i think that the beginning of winter in chicago is actually totally great like at least for me like i i love it yeah. it's it's more so after new year's specifically like after the super bowl like or, you know early february then you have two months of just like sadness because then it's like really cold, but there's nothing to look forward to, you know? Yeah, because it's the t you're like winter, December, November, great. But but in Chicago, it just it, it's tantalizing until January, and then it just gets miserable, cracked, bloody hands, <laughs> stuffy, terrible. Exactly, exactly. And I, I know I'm I'm your most interesting uh, guest ever because I'm here to talk about the weather, um, which is what you do with strangers. Um, and, I, and and we're not strangers, Larry. So I'm. Sorry I think, that I took us into weather right away. I think I think you talk about the weather in two different ways, and it's that you talk. There's a way you talk about weather with strangers, and there's a way you talk about weather with close friends. So I think that, <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's there's different ways that I can go. So I yeah, mean, small all talk is good talk. Yeah, you're right. And you're in in your uh, very uh, gracious intro for me. You mentioned so many things, um, and of course, this year, 2020. Uh, a lot of those things kind of went out the window. Like a, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the touring and the event planning and all that is just like, you know, there's been none of it, and understandably so with a with a pandemic that everybody's dealing with. And, you know, I'm just hoping that the light at the end of the tunnel that we're like seeing here is legit. You know, that we're getting closer to it. And I don't know that things are ever going to return to like normal, but I think they will return to something more familiar. Um, and things will be, you know, uh, in, a, in a different place at that time, especially for the music industry specifically. Yeah. So I think that right now is almost like, uh, it's a little bit of a crystal ball as to what things might be like in five years or 10 years, you know, without a pandemic. And it's, it's funny, this is something you and I've talked about a while ago. Um, maybe it was like, actually, maybe it was last winter. I remember this conversation you were playing at, uh, I think tonic room. It was you and uh, Lucas Carpenter were playing a show. And I think we were hanging out afterwards, 
getting some tacos, drinking or something as, as we do. And uh, <laughs> as we, we, do. Were, we were actually talking about this and you were kind of saying how realistically the days of like arena and stadium shows are, are kind of going out the window and those smaller, more unique experiences are kind of, you know, what's knocking on the door where you're having less amount of fans, but closer fans. And I think that rings true now more than ever. And it's crazy how, uh, how that held up with what's going on right now. It's a super, super great um, foreshadowing, I guess, I guess. And, you know, that's probably with that in your back pocket is something that is really helping you stay connected with your fans and staying motivated and finding those new ways to, to interact with people. Yeah. The, I, I think, you know what, it's interesting that we had that talk at that time because of how much things then, you know, took a crazy turn a few, starting a few months later. But um, yeah, like I, I still feel that way that ultimately there will be less and less, um, you know, new artists that can achieve the status of being a stadium band um, or an arena band. Like th those acts are still going to be around for a while because legacy acts and very, very huge you know, pop acts and whatnot. Like there's no shortage of them and they're not necessarily going anywhere. But the idea that I kind of feel like we've seen the end of like the artist that like, you know, kind of gets uh, gets signed by an A&R person based on some raw talent and gets developed and put into a system and then made into a pop star and then can have sustained success long enough and have enough hits and enough history to then be an artist that, is big enough to perform in those places. Like, I kind of feel like <laughs> that might be kind of like what's happening here is things are going to shift. And, you know, understandably, because it's happened in almost every other industry, right? We've yeah. seen it with, with filmmaking where, you know, something like Netflix can come along and change the game. Um, and then that kind of is the beginning of so many other companies, uh, you know, becoming and existing and, you know, things like, uh, all these different streaming models and all these different subscription models and even like the the well-known um, premium channels now launching their own, you know, you can subscribe just to HBO if you don't want it as a part of your cable package or whatever. So these things are all happening, you know, in, in television and in movies already. And then, um, you know, in like the shopping world, of course, insert Amazon, insert, you know, uh, the response to that, um, you know, and, and, and all of these things happening where you're like, wow, you know, there, there just really wasn't anything like that for music, you know, yeah. um, un, un, until Spotify came along that and said it, you know, for $10 a month or $12 a month, you can have access to these millions of songs. And it slowly took away the value from the songwriters and from the independent artists who now have to figure out other ways to earn money where they normally would be making record sales and earning more royalties. And, you know, it's not all bad. It's not all doom and gloom because Spotify is an incredible promotional tool and it can be really great for an artist in certain ways. But, you know, those artists that were used to selling that, you know, large number of records for independent level artists, you know, who counted on that, that, you know, in a, if they would release an album every two years or something, they would have an album cycle of, you know, 12 to 18 months of touring and X amount of sales and X amount of things. And now you just took that sales thing and just like, you know, threw it out the window. So, you know, if you used to be able to sell, you know, 10, 15, 20,000 records, that was how you would survive for years at a time. And now, 
you know, that small percentage that are still going to buy it, you know, from maybe a site like Bandcamp or something else, you know, not to ramble too much. I just kind of feel like, you know, the music industry is is due for something to come along and, and disrupt it. And, you know, yeah. trying to trying to be a part of that um, with with downright, which you mentioned, and we can talk about that more in a little bit. But yeah, I mean, the uh, it's tough. I, I, I don't I don't I don't know what it would be like to be like a brand new artist trying to be a become established in this current climate like it's got to be tricky yeah 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 so i guess uh i I definitely would like to talk about that and i have a little something that ties in in, into downright but uh i guess um talking about how the music industry is kind of taking a shift now like you said um i really am seeing it go both ways where artists are really kind of like they have the rug, you know, it slips out from under them and you just kind of like Scooby-Doo, like, like hang out in the air before you fall real quick. And it's kind of, <laughs> I'm seeing it go in two, di- two different directions where people are getting closer than ever with their fans, where people are skipping that middleman and boom, people are showing up and being really supportive. And that is great for artists who are putting out really exceptional creative stuff. Um, that's, that's awesome. Um, but also there are artists that, because even though a, as accessible as social media and some of these tools are, it's still, it's 10 different jobs to get a career going with that. And it's still super challenging. So there, like you said, there's still hope and there's still resources. Like Spotify is a tool that can be used by the artist and by the listener. You know, it's, it's not a music company, it's an advertising company, you know, and there, there's different ways to, to make it happen. But it's interesting to see just kind of what's going on right now. And, and like you, you had said, I kind of am trying to have my ear to the ground and see where things are going. And um, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a flood is the problem. It's a flood, you know, um, like the barrier to entry for artists to um, be on a social media platform, you know, is next to nothing. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the idea of like, well, it was it was both it was a good thing and a bad thing that record labels kind of had as much power as they once did when it came to curation you know for discovering artists what artists are going to get a chance what artists are going to have a team working for them but then in exchange what is the artist giving up to get those things whereas now you know with the combination of like home recordings you know technology and all these distribution platforms that are just you know a subscription click away it's like you know anybody could really start a project record some music and have it available globally in 72 hours <laughs> which again Print incredible but also terrifying and also creating a flood you know a flood of music a flood of personalities and you know something like um you know tiktok kind of like seemingly is like you know we're kind of replacing what was the Instagram stuff, which kind of had replaced Facebook stuff, which kind of had replaced MySpace. So it's stuff is always evolving and it's always hard once you've built something up on one platform to see another one show up to be, this is the new path, right? So it's kind of like, it, it is like you said, kind of focusing on that smaller group of more dedicated supporters to engage with them in a way to keep them around and keep their interests, but also recognize that, you know, a fandom is not easy to come by and it's not easy to maintain. Uh, so, 
you know, kind of where you're at on somebody's timeline, you know, when it comes to like their life, like when, when your music is first introduced to them, how they responded to it, what's going on in their life at that time, what do they associate with that, you know, for myself and for folks, you know, tuning in who don't know much about me, but, you know, I spent, you know, a long time touring with my former band Spittlefield, which came out of this kind of emo pop punk world. And, you know, there's a lot of nostalgia for these things that came out in the, for me, like in the, in the mid, you know, early mid two thousands and beyond, because a lot of those listeners who were at the time you discovering that music while they're in middle school, high school, college, you know, what have you, those folks are now into their, you know, thirties and early forties and whatnot. And they have that nostalgia towards where they were at it, at that part of their lives, you know, and the music associated with that. So that's a powerful thing. Um, but you can't live off nostalgia alone. I mean, I, I mean, some people can, but like, you also got to keep moving forward and Amazing. keep creating. <laughs> and yeah, but I mean, you got to keep pushing forward and developing and expanding. And I do think that, like, you know, some of the artists who have been able to stay relevant throughout this whole shift to digital, who had a career before that and still have a career now, are the ones who have done some reinventing and some creative things to. You know, whether whether or not their fans were always happy with it, you know, who knows? But if people are talking about it and listening, then I guess that's what matters the most. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I actually, I, I I don't know if it was on Instagram that I heard it, but John Mayer was talking because some people were outraged. I think Justin Timberlake made a comment about Metallica or something. And I heard John Mayer, he said, Justin Timberlake, or sorry, Justin Bieber doesn't want to take your Metallica album away. He just wants his album to be on the shelf with them. And so I think that's really interesting um, as showing how it, it can seem like a, a, as much of a free for all it is, it's still not me versus, you know, another artist. It's such a, it's such a community thing. And I think you show that you, you're really about the scene and, and the things that you do with downright namely, you know, you, you generate so much, you help generate so much uh, income for artists that otherwise normally fans wouldn't know that those services were offered from them and uh you really put together variety shows and like you with your christmas variety show and showcase local artists and stuff and that's really really important and i know as as a new artist it's hard to think like oh man like you gotta be so secretive about what you're doing and it's a contest and <laughs> yeah. the more and more you do it the more you realize that that is that's not the case and those people that really endure it really kind of create a longer table for the newer artists and um, well, I, I just like to think that there's room for all of it, right? Because yeah. at the end, at the end of the day, like you know, bi like businesses are in competition with each other, and if you're trying to make music your career, then your career, then your music kind of has to become a business in some ways. So mm -hmm. by default, then you are in competition. I get that, but I also think that um, you know, artists have the ability to share a spotlight and to share moments and to, you know. Um, Really, I mean, most musicians who have had any amount of success can speak to what some of their favorite musicians were, you know, when they were younger or, you know, inspiring them throughout different points in their careers of the different artists they got into along the way, you know, and, and I feel like music is, is a very powerful language for everybody. So, you know, that being said, it's kind of like, yeah, how do, how do you, how do you compete you know, it's like, well, competing is tough. And if it's you against somebody else going for the same thing at the same time, and it's going to be you or them, you know, that that's an unfortunate situation where it might come down to who has more backing, who has more business savvy, who has more 
of an in. But then at the end of the day, I do think that you start to see artists who support other artists going further. Um, artists who embrace other artists and in return, hopefully have artists embrace them. You know, I, I think that, that that's, a, that's a better way to develop a longer career um, and to be make able to- friends. Make friends. Make, make friends and have a community that can become your network, you know, when it comes to business, you know, like I, I, I think that it's, it's, it's tough because it's hard not to be jealous of artists who have things that you want or crave. But at the end of the day, if it comes down to like your passion for what you are creating and your belief in yourself and the music you are creating, then it's not just about comparing. It is about, you know, pushing yourself further and figuring out what you could be doing better and, and not being afraid to ask those questions of other people and, you know, not being afraid to, you know, obviously people aren't so much knocking on literal, uh, record label doors anymore, but don't be afraid to, to put yourself out there and send music along to people because mm -hmm. you might get a lot of no's before you get a yes, but that's always been true. And you might get a lot of people ignoring something until there's a buzz going. It's like, oh yeah, I remember you reached out to me about this and I see you got something going and all of a sudden they're interested. And it's like, wow, too bad you didn't care back <laughs> when I didn't have anything going, but it's like, what can you do, right? It's, it's, it's their a, fault. This is how it, it's it's a snowball, yeah. It's a business, and you don't know when when you hit them. You don't know you don't know what was going on in their life, and you know maybe they were working on some other artists that they had just recently started working with, and they didn't have the capacity to truly see the vision. You know, like yeah. assume assume that if you believe in yourself and you think what you've got going is pretty good, that you've got a shot. It's the you same know? reason, you know. You it's the same reason you go into the studio and don't release your demos. You know, it's like. Of course, they're great, you know, and like your biggest fans will will love it. Like everything should be song centric and whatnot. But it's you're you're putting yourself together, and it's like a movie. You know what I mean? Like you edit that movie for a reason, so it makes sense in your brain. And I I get it. Music and movies are different, but really one and the same in terms of storytelling as a song. You know, for our job as a songwriter, it's and I think that it really takes it takes energy and practice to kind of as you're getting going as an artist to like okay. Stop looking over here. Stop looking over here. Just, you know, look what's right ahead of you and see what your direct, direct next step is, because it's easy to trip up and see like, oh, this person's getting ahead and this person's getting ahead. But what they're doing here is not going to work for you because they, they, their whole vibe and the thing that works about them is totally different. And the thing that people like about them is totally different. And as I feel like it, it, it's really easy to go down that rabbit hole as an artist where you just keep looking outward and outward, which you have to do to an extent, but you really just got to look inward and find that thing that people like about the art that you're creating. Because I, again, I saw this online. Thank you, internet, for showing me everything, all, all your wonders. But it was a little <laughs> chart and it said, and it showed bad people, okay people, good people, bad people, okay art, great art. And any of those type of people can make any of that type of art. You know, the, the art does not necessarily describe the person. So it's, you just right. got to find what sets you up to achieve your goal, you know, for what, what you think the final product is. Um, yeah. And, and you know what I will, to that, I will say, you know, you, you got to do your best to stay true to your, yourself and your visions and be kind to other, um, other folks that you need, you need their help. Like you need to like work with people, not against people. And also, mm -hmm. You know, some of the stuff that's harder to wrap your head around or some of the stuff that is a little bit more of the business that maybe you don't you don't think is your strong suit or whatever. That is where you do need to reach out and, and build a team and get people to get behind you who who that is what they want to do. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? And and and, you know, 
I think the more educated an artist can be about the way the industry works, the better off they are. But I also think that if you try to do too many things, you have to, you know, you might be, you might, you might be selling yourself short um, if you, if you're trying to wear too many hats and do too many things. So, you know, managing, yeah. managing your own, your own plans, your own calendar, your own output and stuff is important because you've got to be thinking you can't have someone else be calling all the shots only to have their life change and then you not know what to do. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's good to be in the know. It's good to be uh, forward thinking and to be a part of the decision making and the plans. But, you know, with with that comes kind of how much can your brain handle? How much capacity do you have to understand these things at a level that gives you an advantage? <laughs> Absolutely. So, so all that, everything going on right now and uh, knowing your history. So, you know, as you look around and you're seeing kind of the birth of these new, these new artists, these new creators online, um, and obviously, you know, you're, you're going strong right now. What, what are some of the biggest differences that you're seeing now versus the scene, you know, when you were coming up, you know, what are some struggles that you're like, oh man, that would suck. Or, you know, things that maybe, obviously you, you have some, you have the wisdom of going through it there, but the times just present different challenges. And I'm, I'm curious to see what, what are some of like the biggest differences for you that, that seem that make it feel like a different terrain? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm of a, so I'm, I'm 37 and I'm, I'm of an age where, you know, when I was really young, like the internet really wasn't a thing yet. And then when the internet first arrived, oh you know, for, for like, for like, you know, in people's homes and whatnot, yeah. when the internet first arrived, it wasn't really used for the things that it is used for now. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I've been on both sides of it, um, you know, having seen the technology arrive, having learned it while I was still relatively young um, to then now make it intuitive to me, but then not to be, you know, so old that I'm jaded by everything that's new and not to be, you know, so young that I can't also say like, oh, I remember, you know, I remember when it was this way or, or, or yeah. be a little bit, um, a little bit negative or jaded towards certain things that are happening. So having kind of straddled that a little bit and been on both sides of it, I, I will say the, the thing from, um, the thing from before that I think is, is missing that, was most important perhaps was the um a different type of work ethic associated with promoting yourself yeah. and and i'm not saying that people don't work equally as hard but the type of work itself mm -hmm. um which it's before fire. yeah right before was much more based in your local area to try to create waves and to try to get folks to attend your your shows and you know, to kind of get to like grow up a little bit in front of your friends and family and develop yourself in that way uh, to start locally and then try to branch into regional trading of shows and try to change into, you know, uh, your first like attempt at a tour and all these things. I feel like that stuff doesn't really happen anymore because of the way the internet works and because of the way that artists now are recording their first demos and putting them up for distribution. Whereas before mm -hmm. it was like, you're making tapes and burning CDs and giving them to your friends and selling them for $2 and stuff. And I feel like all of that stuff that you had to go through those like first shows and all that, you don't really get that experience now because everybody can document it and put it online right away. So you don't really have time to not be that good. You don't have time to like, just be, you know, yeah, you figuring it out. It's kind of like, yeah. Yeah. yeah if you, you it's like, yeah. And like, if you, you want to. Yeah. 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 And, and like that, that is, 
Oh, that, that that's a little upsetting to me like it's unfortunate like i i want like so badly like when i'm playing like a, a, a intimate songwriter room where people are actually listening and it sounds great and it feels good and i'm playing and i'm connecting when i say like okay i want to try it like you know a, a brand new song i i don't love the fact that so many phones come out to record it because i'm like no no just en enjoy the song with me and let me know if you liked it don't document it and then upload it because now i feel on the spot and now i feel nervous and now you know what i mean like i don't like that um because <laughs> because you're gonna you're gonna become famous for like the for the b-side at that point for the dem for the second demo you know like it that is very nerve-wracking because it's like you go on tour you know a, a lot of your songs you know you've been touring on them for a while so you, <laughs> but they're really tight they sound great and you're like oh man i'm gonna mix it up today and people want to record that one and you're like wow thanks for re representing me the best you know yeah but but i mean again you know back to like your your initial question i'm kind of like thinking those are the things that i think are missing the most from um you know current uh artists who are, who are coming up right now that they don't get to experience those things and i think that is one of the hardest parts that you kind of get put onto a bigger stage a lot quicker and then to kind of loop back to what we we're saying before you're on a bigger stage quicker but so is everybody else so it's kind of a flood that goes in tandem with that which i think is problematic ultimately when developing talent and finding yourself as a musician um you sell those 75 pre-sales you're playing the metro bro it doesn't matter how good you are <laughs> well hey you know what like thank goodness for local showcases um yeah. when they're when they're done right for absolutely. sure absolutely absolutely but then the flip side you were asking like what's good and bad about it um you know i think the a positive thing about being an artist now maybe coming up for the first time is just access to information mm -hmm. um, the fact the fact that you can learn so much about the industry and how distribution works and how your own business could be set up, you know, with, with access to all these resources, which, you know, really weren't there before. Mm -hmm. And I'd say for as much as there's this glory era of, of rock and roll and of the music industry, there's a lot of BS happening during that time frame, you know, mm -hmm. and everybody's got stories from the different, you know, different, eras of, of music and everybody's got good bad and ugly you know experiences to speak to about the music industry but my goodness like you know part of what made that thing work was the fact that artists were so in the dark and were signing horrendous contracts and were being taken advantage of um across the board so unfortunately some of that is coming back around now with this kind of forced digital platform model where artists are back to signing bad contracts and you know but now it's more like you're checking a box a terms of service box and uploading music you're giving content to the you know to the internet and Deal. then and then not getting back much value <laughs> uh, un unless you're able to obviously connect some dots and make things work but i would say that that would be again one of the better things about coming up now is access to information and and then also uh, it's good and bad. The stuff I described a little earlier, unbelievable that you can get such great home recording software and, and hardware free, and practically. Yeah. Like, I mean, affordably at least and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and learn how to use it and develop that skill set early. Because I think one of the biggest setbacks, um, you know, from years past would be that you really had to get into a studio to make a competitive sounding record. And now, you know, people are doing it from their, their own bedrooms which you know 
I do think I think that ties in a little bit though because like we were saying from from generations past to now like you've got the home studio set up and it's easy easy as ever for people to make music and to upload it and sell it but like you're saying you miss some of those gatekeepers and I mean gatekeepers aren't always good but the things that you gotta you gotta work and you got it takes time to get good and you sound terrible for the first two and a half years and you know like your songs are bad until year two and all that stuff you know that that you really have to grind through and hit the sandstone and see that's how you really find your sound and you find yourself as an artist and you refine your craft and I think I guess my my only advice like is it's easy to get trapped into the to, to fall into the trap of like relying on modern amenities to make music because at the end of the day like it is cool don't get me wrong there's there's great music that way but still the at, at its core it's it's that human connection and I think the focus all it's always the song like forget the I mean everything everything has to be great everything has to be phenomenal in creating the song but at at the foundation the bedrock the song just has to be exceptional like yeah. that is the number one thing well you're speaking my language there I I always think that the actual the actual song itself is the most important part but of course that applies differently to different artists who are trying to do different things you know um yeah. but at least in the songwriting world I mean I think a great song can be uh, created and produced in so many different ways so well, the question is when you, when you strip it all down and bring it all back it's kind of like <clears throat> is it is it a good is it a well-crafted song and sometimes I get frustrated when people talk about like you know the hit makers and being like well you know they're they're you know they know how to craft a hit song and I'm thinking like yeah absolutely they do and that's why they are at the level they're at or that's why artists at a higher level are looking to them to help write their songs and people are like oh anybody could write a song like that I'm like I don't think so um but I will say that um you know I kind of live in this world where I, I made this like two out of three rule and those three things um are the um like is the song catchy is it well produced and is this is it from a from a lyrical perspective is it like a well is it a well crafted like song like is it is it like a good story is it is it well it, you know it doesn't have to be a great story but are, are they is it inspiring lyrically does it tell a story right my thought is you got to have two out of three to have a good song and i don't care which two you pick um because I guess you know, room to accomplish different things. Yeah, definitely. That, that's right. If you happen to have all three, to me, that puts you on a, another level. That's when you have a song that I consider to be a great song. A great song can have all three. Um, you know, like, you know, a well, like unbelievable production, unbelievable songwriting, unbelievable story, unbelievably catchy. All three of those things, that's a great song. So sometimes I hear some current top 40 stuff where I'm like, man, it's really nailing one out of three here. Mm -hmm. I can't really think, I don't really think it's that good. Um, or <laughs> if it's nailing two out of three, I'm like, it's a good song. I get it. Maybe I don't personally love it, but I think it's good. And then if it's hitting all three, I'm like, damn, sign me up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that, like you said, it's a whole nother level. There's specific artists that they consistently you know, put out that level of stuff and it really, they're just kind of, they're top shelf, you know, they're, they're Don Julio, you know, like they're, they're just, that's what they are. 
And uh, it, it's really infre- like refreshing and invigorating because it's like <laughs> that listening to music is your number one tool as a creator, at least, at least in music, because you want a lesson in songwriting. <laughs> go listen to an Alicia Keys album, you know what I mean? Go, go listen top to bottom and, and just rewrite that song. You know, there's so much information, yeah. they're textbooks. They're, they're great examples. Um, yeah, it's, it's right there. And it's like, what makes them great? Well, what do you like about it? You know, you, like you said, you've got your rule. And I'm sure everybody who's serious, not about creating music, but there's different levels of music listeners. And I think people who are, who really like consume music and people who really dig into it, they have, they've got their listening system too. You know what I mean? To- yeah, I just wish the internet was more about propping up the stuff that's great and less about tearing down the stuff that's you know that isn't like yeah. it's kind of like it, it's it's unfortunate because i i really do think that um because there's so much music readily available to so many people that people have kind of forgotten what is like actually being targeted towards them or what stuff is kind of being forced upon them you know like and and then feeling the need to comment on it because my thought is that like at different points in your life, certain things make a lot more sense musically. You know what I mean? And it's like, I don't know if this was this way for you, but for me, what was what my parents were listening to when I was real little, I loved. And yeah. then I hit a point when I'm like 11 years old where I'm like rebelling against it all, where I'm like, oh man, no. Industrial. Yeah. Yeah. But like suddenly you just, everything's counter, right? Everything's counterculture. Everything's something different. And, and all that other stuff was trash. And then you have this light bulb moment where you come back around to realize maybe how great some of that stuff was. And then you start to figure out, you know, okay, what from this long list of, you know, of, of albums from different years, what stuff is sticking with me and what stuff's not like people like to say like what holds up and what doesn't. I think the reason somebody would say that is because how does it hit you now? And can you resonate with it? Can you hear it with different ears? Can you reapply it? Like, is it just pure nostalgia or is there more to it? You know? Uh, And I just think that the internet can be toxic when it comes to like people like wanting so badly, like, you know, to get their music out there and then they're getting it out there to strangers and strangers are tearing it down. And it's like, oh my gosh, like (laughs) it's brutal. And you'll see artists that are huge that have millions and millions of fans release fairly high level content. Maybe it's two out of three. I mean, you know, I don't know, went back to my rule. Maybe it's two out of three. Maybe it's just one out of three. But then you look at the comment section and it's like, oh my gosh, so many people who this isn't for them are in there just to bring it down, just to tear it down. But I mean- welcome that's to a, the internet right that's its own subcategory of entertainment not not necessarily being a troll but people who people people who laugh at the trolls you know it's 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 its own category of like youtube video comments yeah <laughs> great right. job awesome job and the i don't even want to repeat some of the things i've heard but you know you know where you know where it's going <laughs> so, talking about listening to things that your parents listen to and things that you listen to I know you're an '80s boy. I know you like. I know you like. Uh, you like. You like that whole thing. And uh, so, I guess, what were, what were some of your biggest influences from that time period? You know, as a writer in terms of production, maybe just like some pop culture stuff. Like, what? Yeah. Uh, I guess, what is it that you? What is it that you grab onto there? I mean, obviously, there's the wonder of of neon, but what else? <laughs> uh, well, for me personally, I think that the you know, being born in 83 meant that in a lot of my like 
formative years, we were in this era where we were like, there was there was the 80s rock stuff. There was like people were like holding on to like this level of like like power, like glam metal stuff. The thing is, a lot of it was really well done, like really, really great songs, big hits, right? That was happening. But then on the pop side, of course, like Michael Jackson happening, like with like, you know, Thriller coming out right before I was born and then it being like a record that I grew up with, essentially dancing around in, in the basement and with like the LP spinning or whatever. There was there was that and and I I really love like Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel and stuff, but a lot of that Classic. for me is a lot of that for me is like, you know, can like pop contemporary, adult contemporary radio, like when I'm a little kid, like in the minivan with my mom or whatever. It's like hearing those songs that are so well written, like songwriter, like just, you know, an era where there were songwriters who were fronting either bands or um or were popular as themselves. Like you know, that weren't just singer-songwriters with a guitar, which is, you know, again, something I kind of held on to. So when I started doing solo records, you know, my first solo record, I definitely tried to go that kind of route of like, you know, poppy blues guitar guy with with a slamming, you know, rhythm section. And that's cool. But then I, by the time I did my first like full album, I started to really dig back into a lot of the things I loved, like with the synthesizers and, um, you yeah. know, and, and hearing other sounds and soundscapes and cinematic stuff happening behind songs. And, you know, I feel like the current era of singer-songwriter, and by that I just mean the last, you know, 10, 15 years, yeah. kind of got put into this box of like, oh, you're either like, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to describe like the outfits per se, but like you're kind of a, a, a guy with a guitar or a girl with a guitar who sings kind of like a coffee house thing. And it, you know, that's, that's fine. But thinking back to you're like what done. was happening, yeah. what was happening, like, you know, whether it's Billy Joel or, um, you know, uh, I, I mentioned Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins, but like, there's just, there's, there's so many uh, songwriters that, you know, Lindsey Buckingham, whatever that, that were coming into their own as solo artists, whether they're part of a group or not, or also in a group. And I think that's the stuff that hit me the hardest. And that's the stuff that stays with me now. Um, like, you know, songwriters who've been able to reinvent themselves, you know, album after album and kind of have these different eras of, of technology and different eras of, you know, who they are and what, what life experiences they're writing about, you know? Yeah. So, so would you say, are they reinventing themselves or are they just working on new shit? You know what I mean? Like, right. I, I think maybe, maybe the reinventing is coming from, uh, maybe, maybe it's perspective almost, you know? Yeah. It's new stuff, but maybe it's just taking risks and kind of adapting to things, you know, like there's a, there's a big difference sometimes between, uh, like, oh yeah, the, this record, like, like Fleetwood Mac or something where it's like you know, all these different eras and you could talk to different people and say, what, oh, what's your favorite Fleetwood Mac record and why? And if you pick the uh, most pop records of them all, people are like, oh, what? No, it's like, that's not their good stuff. And it's like, well, actually it's really darn good. So on paper, <laughs> yeah. Right. And it doesn't take away from the other eras, but my gosh, there are eras. There's so many albums. <laughs> so judging by your expertise here, I mean, it seems like you, you know, the 80s pretty good, right? I try, but I also, but also remember that I was in middle school and high school in the nineties. So, I mean, nineties alt rock was 
was my second love, you know, 90s. And, and, and then getting into punk rock, of course, which oh, was absolutely. like happening in tandem for me, where like I was- Oh, you like punk rock? I didn't know you like punk rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I just think that like those, those two things are what kind of blended together to make the sound of, of Spittlefield and of me as a songwriter now. Um, it's those two eras kind of thrown together <laughs> more than anything else. So I guess I guess real quick I'd like to do a little little thing here. Yeah. We're going to play some real quick 80s trivia. We've got four categories here. We've got music, movie, TV, and pop culture. Wow, this is actual trivia. So this, this is, is act, not this is actual this is, trivia. This is do I know the answers? This is do you, that kind of trivia. Okay. So we're we're going to go here. We we just got a few. And right. uh, your choice really if you want. I've got a uh, I've got movies, TV, culture and music whatever you what so we're, we're, we're going 80s here yeah 80s absolutely okay i i think i want to go movies first because 80s tv even though there's some of it that i love i was really young so i didn't i wasn't really like i didn't have like other than like little kids programming you know and you know i was seven years old when the 90s started so i gotta i gotta go maybe movies here let's movies. go movies yeah 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 i think oh i think you got this one all right okay pressure's yeah. on 1985 comedy was Tim Burton's feature length directorial debut. 1985. 1985 live action comedy was Tim Burton's real weird guy. He is. He is weird. Main character too. Mm Hmm. I, I feel like I could get there. I got to work through it a little bit. Are there are there any lifelines here? Do I do I get any types of clues, or can I ask a, a question of you? you and can, then you can. this is there's actually no rules. We're yeah, so we're we're just asking questions here. So feel free. This is just <laughs> okay. for fun. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so I guess question number one. Okay. You you said something about like title character or main character here. So is is the uh is the name of the movie the title character is like is 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 that the main character of the movie yes yes it is there's a little extra in there but yes Mm. Mm -hmm. very very weird guy yeah definitely okay next next question is there another uh is there another big name attached to it somewhere either as like a uh an uh, actor or actress um and or, or or is this or is it just a kind of a, a movie that came out and then he went on to the next thing <laughs> no this is a movie it's uh there i don't really know of any the, the the lead is is the only the only big actor that i know but um there's a sequel there was a broadway run oh yeah sequel and a broadway run guy uh lead character here he wears a real spiffy suit rides mm-hmm. a nice bike suit his first movie is about finding his bike oh it's about peewee's big adventure peewee's big adventure you got it i knew it was in there i knew it was in there yeah but you know the the suit and the bike really gave it away yeah um yeah i sh- i should have got to that quicker I yeah i mean that quicker yeah, see, the, the network only wanted one lifeline, but we went with two, so great. <laughs> Thank so you. I, I, say we do, I say we do one more. We got TV, we got culture, uh-huh. and we got music here. 
I think these are I'm, all. I'm, a, I'm afraid of what kind of question you hit me with with culture. So yeah, I suppose let's go music. Music, okay. Who duetted with MC Scat Cat on Opposites Attract? Wow, you know, you could have you could ask me that same question the other way and say who duetted with Paula Abdul uh, for Opposites Attract, and I would have said MC Scat Cat, which is probably the more rare part of, <laughs> of that trivia question. That's the only Paula Abdul song that I know. I'm not going to play with you, but it. Oh. It bumps. It does. I remember oh, yeah. talking about cruising around with your parents. I remember being in fourth or fifth grade, my mom playing that. I'm like, I don't understand what this song's about, but I, I vibe with it. This animated cat is smoking. Yeah. <laughs> I like to smoke. Yeah. Yeah. So, so talking about eighties and, and inspiration, you know, I, I, I really want to talk about, um, I, I want to talk about your two, your two full albums. So wonderful trouble. The wild type. Mm-hmm. So, here's my thing, right? Yeah. I hear a lot of that '80s in, in the Wonderful Trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they both have a really distinct vibe. You know, Wonderful Trouble. Listening to your music before that, you know, there you've got some great songs that appear on some of your some of your previous content. That it was really cool to hear them, uh, the different renditions of them working yeah. up to it. That was that's really awesome. Um, talking about being song centric, those songs that are strong enough that that fight through to the top, you know. Um, I, I hear a lot of those 80s influences. Wonderful Trouble to me, you know, I hear that a lot more, that full band, you know, percussive, get them hits. Um, that that really has, has a strong sense of, um, I wouldn't say larger production, but I, that's just band vibe, band vibe, band vibe. And, and that's, that's, easy to, that's easy to turn down half the lights get wine drunk and dance around the apartment too. That's what I'm talking about. You know, that's that kind of album for sure. <laughs> so, so this is called story time with Larry Anthony. And yeah. uh, maybe, maybe you can tell us a little story about what's, what was going on when it, with making that album, what was, um, wh- what were your biggest influences? What were you trying to get across? There's, there's definitely a string that a little th- a silver thread that runs through all those songs that ties them together. I, uh, yeah, maybe maybe let us let us know a little bit about that process, and maybe we can we can do the same thing with the wild type and kind of uh, sure see see where that takes us. Yeah, well, I, I will maybe start by saying that wonderful trouble being the first full album output um, after the band called it quits mm-hmm. um, is is a big a big part of kind of the path I took to get there, and what I will say is like the, there were two EPs that came leading up to it that came out in 2009, 2010. And then the album came out in 2011. And I thought of those EPs as kind of this like experimental, like, I don't know, a bit of like a playing field for me to try some different things out and to um, get out and, and tour on those things to try to find, to try to find my voice and find what I, what I wanted to do. Um, as a solo artist and uh, part of part of that comes from the band you know the the band's final album is 2006 but we were we toured throughout six and seven and you know the end of you know our farewell tour was like the very end of 2007 and in 2008 I took a little time off it was like I had just put my heart and soul into a band for almost a full decade and you know, I didn't, I, I felt very, um, 
you know, well, equal parts sad about the band being gone and then excited about what I was going to do next, but I wasn't sure yeah. what that was going to be. So throughout 2008, I really wasn't doing a lot of recording. I wasn't doing a lot of performing. I was kind of just like resting up and trying to figure things out. And I, and I wrote a couple songs during 2008, um, the songs You Come Along and How Strong We Are. And yeah, yeah and, and I, you know, was, was feeling this sense of optimism, um, like about, about like, rebranding and making it as a, as a songwriter and i also felt a little bit intimidated because i was like very used to having that support system of of the band on stage with me and very used to like you know i don't know touring at a certain level of like you're out for this long and you're performing venues of you know obviously varying levels of venues but like performing out regularly with venues and having at that time a label and a manager and a publisher and all these things. And then kind of just having that carpet ripped out from under me and being like, you're all alone. So I experimented a bit on those first two EPs and I put together um, different forms of a backing band who would rehearse those things with me and perform with me. And I feel like during 2009, 2010, I, really did a lot of self-discovery when it came to like what I wanted and how I wanted to try to do it. And there were some missteps along the way. And there were some things I had to learn the hard way a little bit about like, you know, not all of your previous fan base is going to come along with you for this journey. And also you're doing something very differently, like music wise, like at least from a genre standpoint. Um, and that could be a, a hurdle and, you know, not really having, even though I had a lot of net, a lot of networks, you know, or a lot of networking opportunities with other artists I was friends with, I didn't really fit in all that well um, with a lot of the, you know, those bands and whatnot that were, you know, maybe the bands I was trying to tour with or whatever. So, you know, long story short, that all led me to Wonderful Trouble, which was kind of this first attempt at a big vision where I had all sorts of talented players that I was giving them direction and I was kind of playing band leader you know like having a really that was great album that's a very emotional album for anyone who's not listened to that I'm definitely going to post that with it you should check that one out that it's a great one thank you yeah and it was also reconnecting with Sean O'Keefe who Sean uh as a as a mixing engineer and as a you know producer he's somebody that he had worked with Spitalfield on remember right now which was kind mm -hmm. of our coming of age album where we kind of made the transition from, you know, local and regional band to being, uh, you know, a full-time thing. Uh, and, and he, he was young at that time as well, but, but he, working with him really helped kind of shape the sound that the band would, would then grow into. Mm -hmm. And I wanted that experience again, but this time, you know, with a whole new set of, you know, ideas and players and songs and you know this many years later you know um so got sean on board and found some really you know between his network and, and folks that i knew just a really great um set of players to be involved so um it took a long time to record that record because it was like you mentioned a lot more like live performance stuff it was a lot more getting the right takes and it was a lot more you know live room kind of stuff and having like a horn section and a you know um really great with the band a lot at that time 
I was, but it was kind yeah. of a rotating cast of players. Um, That's you part know. of the fun of it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was nice to have that because based on what opportunities I was getting, I could choose what could I mm-hmm. afford to do and what did I want to do, you know, like, because it's hard to have a full-time band of of uh of hired players you know <laughs> when you're back to being the opening act and the budgets really aren't there so you're kind of like digging in to your own pocket and wallet to try to pay out players to then represent you on stage whereas when it's just yeah. your band it's just like well none of us are getting paid so whatever you know <laughs> it's hard for people to respond with what they want to drink in a group chat a group chat let alone organize a, a full band like that yeah and rehearse and also like i'm always on board for the artist where i'm like you know i i am going to take care of you I'm going to make sure that you're paid. Of course, those budgets can, you know, let me know what works for you or doesn't because I can't, you know, I can only afford certain things. But um, yeah, so so with Wonderful Trouble, it was this like collection of songs that really had, to me, they did feel like, an, it did feel like an album because I feel like I was, you know, start to finish this cohesive thing. And even though there there's certain things on the on the record that sonically don't sound the same as everything else um i do feel like the album as a whole is it does feel like an album to me it doesn't feel like a collection of songs um oh yeah it feels it feels like an album so there's there's some there's some great deep cuts on there yeah thank you yeah and um yeah there was another um there's a player on that record named pat sansone who uh pat is just an incredible uh musician and he um he's he has his own group the autumn defense and he's also a member of wilco and he's just he's he's very very talented and and sean recommended him to come in to kind of work with me on some of these songs to help help be the glue and to help be a multi-instrumentalist to help tie ideas together and to really help the shine help the songs shine um because you know it's again it was unlike anything i'd really done before and that experience with Pat made me want to do that experience with other artists and like wanted made yeah. me want to get into that kind of like working with somebody else's raw materials and stuff and kind of did lead me down this um, path to currently where I'm, you know, doing some development with some bands and doing some co-writing and doing some production. And I do think that like watching Pat was very inspiring and then shadowing behind Sean and then my other uh, producer friends, Soren Peterson, Matt Opal, like other folks in Chicagoland where I would kind of watch them work from an engineering standpoint and kind of like take what I could to try to, you know, apply that moving forward for stuff that I would do. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, that's a long winded response that, you know, wonderful trouble was just this kind of like giant, giant breath of fresh air that I tried to, you know, make happen for myself. And, and it was, it was, you know, it was a bit daunting to do it all and to do it all independently and to release it independently. And then to, you know, see where that took me <laughs> yeah i was lucky enough to catch one of the catch one of those shows with the full band so that's that's really cool that 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 was a very cool experience and translates really really well to a show um thank you yeah totally totally so so coming out of your, your first two eps you know i i saw some of those songs make their way onto onto wonderful trouble and just hearing them in that way in that whole context context it they hit different as as the kids say these days they hit different yeah and it, they were great so 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 we see kind of what influenced that and knowing that you're playing more with a band that thing totally makes sense it's groovy it's dancey it's got the perfect amount of it's a perfect it's a crossover classic for sure you know you got the singer songwriter thing over here you got the dancey thing over here you got the got the you know, 
and everything in between. And uh, then after that, you put out another little EP. Um, and uh, then you released another full length album, The Wild Type. And to me, that one definitely having seen seen you play playing a lot more solo shows and stuff made sense listening to that because though that just felt like you're like come here come here sit right let me tell you something and yeah. like the production on those were great super super clean and and you know it's a little a little different of a vibe than the last one but that one was just all all of your songs are great definitely but but the songs really really felt like like the spotlight on that on that album you know yeah and uh yeah. yeah it was well it there's four years between the two albums and that ep that came out the beginning of 2013 like january 2013 it's called the sound of a turnaround and i feel like yeah four years is a long time you know four years is a long time and a lot happened and i think um the biggest thing that happened was i did a lot of touring and the majority of that touring was solo yeah. And in for reasons mostly financial, to be honest, because you could you could effectively put together tours with other songwriters and kind of become each other's band a little bit, but you know, really say, hey, I, I'm not accountable to anybody and I don't have to really worry about anybody's livelihood or making sure that they're, you know, fed safe and paid. It's like, no, I'm just gonna be me out there mostly and connecting with other songwriters. And because of that, I was able to afford to do it. So I would tour and that's how I would make the majority of my income was, was outperforming. And again, the majority of those concerts were me with the guitar. Yeah. So that even though I had put out Wonderful Trouble, which had this big backing band, you know, I wasn't really able to support the album with a full backing band most of the time. Most of the time it was just me. So- Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and that kind of led me into this more of a intimate record where, again, I went back to Sean and this time we brought in um, Matt Schusler, um, another like a Chicago, or based originally from Chicagoland uh, musician who's just a great bass player, good programmer. Um, and I worked with him on the songs where it was like, let's get these songs all the way down into pre-production mode with just a guitar or a piano. Let's really yeah. hear the songs. And then let's build everything around the songs. And Sean is great for that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that maybe is why you mentioned kind of that more like, come here, listen to the song vibe of this, yeah. of that album, because it wasn't really as much about putting together the slam and band. And it wasn't as much about me playing director for all of those starts and stops and big moments. It was more like, let's hear the songs and then let's build some really cool vibey stuff around it. Mm -hmm. And therefore, there's a lot more programming, a lot more, a lot more electronics, a lot more of just me. Um, yeah. And it created a very moody album, like a pretty dark, moody album. Um, and I, I think that they're they're very different albums, but they both, you know, they both sound like me. But here I am, this many years into being a solo artist, yeah. where I still am kind of like wanting to make that record that I think defines <laughs> my sound and I haven't done it yet, but that's a good yeah. thing. Cause I feel like, you know, I just chase it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I always, I always think like, Oh man, people come up after a show and be like, well, where do you have like an acoustic album? And I'll be like, well, no. And they'll be like, 
but I just saw you play acoustic. And I'm like, man, I really should maybe make an album that I just do what I do live. But then I'm like, no, I don't want to just do a guitar. I have all these ideas. So it becomes this like battle, this internal struggle uh, with you've myself. Got few, you've got a few. I I know you've got a, one of your jam, Someone, I, I believe is, is the title. You got you got an awesome acoustic version of that one. And um, yeah, right. Yeah. I think that that's more more acoustic sounding. So I guess, that, you know, it is it is. It's um, I you know what? But you're talking what, straight like one. Yeah. Record. But I think what it really boils down to is I need to release more content. And and I I'm always in my own head about that. Um, you know, uh, just because yeah. I do take a long time between albums and I do take a long time between singles or whatever. And and, you know, if if I release a full length album in 2021, which is my plan, it'll have been another five, five and a half years since the last album. So it's kind of like I am letting a lot of time happen. I'm living a lot of life I'm going through a lot of different things yeah. and I'm writing all the while. And then comes the album. So it's kind of like, you know, I'm in my own head a little bit too much about releasing music because I just don't do it that often. But since you do so many other things and, and create in so many other ways, it's right. not like people are just like, oh, you know, just waiting on that. That one. That's right. They look for since you keep your you keep your your friends and fans entertained with, with with your personality and other things that you do, and you give them time to simmer with that music, you know. And obviously, more Mark Rose music is never a bad thing. But <laughs> I would look at. I hope. I mean, it seems like at least from. Uh, from everything I checked out, you seem to put out more, more albums rather than singles. But to me, everybody talks about the singles game, singles game. But as a songwriter and you being a songwriter, to me, it, it's, there's just something captivating about, I'm not just talking about putting out an album, but if putting out a good top to bottom album will satisfy in a way that no grouping of singles ever can. Right. Because there's something about listening. Um, like, I can listen to, you could listen to a single, right? And that's fine. That's, uh, it's like watching an episode of Workaholics. It's great. You know, it's, it's one of those things. I don't have to watch the one before this or after this, but it's fun and I enjoy it. But there's yeah. something about listening to an album top to bottom where it's like, I know Mark Rose. And I feel like it's, it's like that hallway effect, you know, like I feel like, I understand. I feel like we're we're buddies, you know. I know, I get where you're coming from, and I I. That's the great thing about songwriting and about your songs is, I see myself in your songs, you know. Like that's. I think you do a great job of that, and and you accomplish something with your fans and writing those things that, I think that, yeah, it, it is tough when they come out every few years, but. Why, why rush it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, and that's, that is, um, I mean, that, that means a lot to me to hear you say that. And I, and I think that maybe, maybe it's because the long, the long game that I've played here, which is like, you know, all of the years traveling and touring with Spittlefield and albums that we released, and then all of the years traveling and touring with my solo stuff, and then the albums that I've released, it has created a pretty, pretty big uh catalog of content yeah and and while i don't you know it, it is it is a challenge to go back and reinvent some of those things and to perform them in different ways and it does it does create more opportunities for me as a performer um to do 
more stuff and to kind of keep switching things up with all those different albums. And, you know, especially during a pandemic to be like, well, I can do some different themes for my live streams and actually have enough content to pick from to fit the themes, um, which is, you know, it's yeah. good. And then, and then also um, the, the fans that have really been so supportive, you know, in, in kind of the solo career era, you know, those folks seem to be pretty patient with me when it comes to releasing new music. And when I do put it out, I know they listen to it, which makes it's real things. Yeah. And, 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 you know, there's not so, so many of them that it's like, you know, <laughs> hard to manage, but it's like, I feel like there's, there's just enough of them that keep me feeling motivated and supported and loved, and then keeps me inspired to keep making music. But then, you know, to the top of our conversation with all these other things that I'm doing between developing the downright platform and hosting and running events and stuff like that. I feel like my, my other creative output also keeps, you know, it, it's allowing me to do other creative things and put other things out there into the world that aren't just albums, you know? Yeah. And, and that's important. That's also maybe a, a really good thing for me because mm -hmm. if it was just me in my own head, just making music all day, every day and releasing music, I'd, I'd lose my mind in this, modern landscape that says you got to keep pumping out content to stay relevant and i'm kind of like well <laughs> you know what maybe maybe my, maybe my answer is I'll, I'll put out an album every five years how about that you know <laughs> you, you versus bruno mars go <laughs> yeah, yeah it's tough it's that, that's that's the real issue i, I wouldn't say the, an issue but that's that's the real tough thing is that when you're in the same marketplace as these huge artists like that's who's just dominate that's who you're again like you're not competing with but like guess what their song is going to be in that playlist good luck you know what i mean it's 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 really tough um, yeah but then again yep. you know there's there's room for everybody so well right it's not all doom and gloom that's the thing yeah, I mean, is that it's it's hard not to compare to the biggest artists or the or yeah. the things that are buzzing hardest to say like oh i wish i had that or whatever but it's like you know there's so many eyes and ears out there yeah you know that you know we something I've been saying for a long time that I think applies now more than ever. And maybe like some artists need to hear it is like, if you can think of an artist that you don't know why they're as big as they are. Mm -hmm. Right. And you can also think of an artist that man, you wish more people knew about them. If, yeah. if both of those things can exist, then there's absolutely mm -hmm. a path forward that says there's potential for listeners and fans. Um, because you know, I mean, the industry is not fair. So no, never, never. So, so, you know, there's a way to make things work and you just got to figure it out. Yeah. So, 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 uh, wrapping up on those two albums, do you have a, do you have a favorite off of each album? What would your favorite song of each one be to perform or the one that you've written or, cause I, I don't know about you. There's songs that I, I have written that I'm like, I love listening to this song. I mean, not that I listen to my own music, but I'm like, I hate performing this song. But, you know, my favorite song to perform is definitely not always my favorite song. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think I could say fairly definitively my favorite tracks from the two records. And, and, and you know, why they're my favorites, I guess I could try to explain. But mm -hmm. we'll start with Wonderful Trouble. I think, I think my favorite song on there is How Can You Believe In Me? And the oh, reason yeah. the reason is that I feel like it kind of it ties together a bunch of different sounds that I've been kind of chasing, which is like this like intimate singer songwriter vibe with 
like really lush orchestration behind it, yeah. but not but not so much orchestration that it takes away from the song itself and the the message of that song kind of is something that I'm still feeling, you know, a decade later. And I felt it when I wrote it, which was this feeling of like, how, like, how am I so blessed to have any kind of career in music and to be able to say that that's what I do and to be able to, you know, connect with people and have any kind of impact on people the way that music has impacted me. Like that, I still can't believe that I'm, you know, given that opportunity. And I felt it then making my first full length album as a solo artist coming off of everything that the band had accomplished. And then I feel it now, 10 years later to still be talking about it. You know what I mean? To still be saying, hey, like I'm still making music what I do and I'm still able to say, I I do love what I do. And it's not, you know, it is obviously very challenging and it's been a roller coaster ride and certainly not, you know, all fun and games, but you know, I. I wouldn't have it any other way. So I'd say that song speaks to me the most off of that album. That's a cool one. I think that's the first one. If you listen through, um, I think that's the first one that kind of like the, the, the instrumentation kind of comes down a little bit. So that's like the first break from like the big band band sound. So yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. And that then- song has a really good, that song has a really good like little musical melody in the break. That's that's a that's a tasty one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really like it. It's got like the uh, it's it's like it's very warm. It's very yeah. warm, but it's also kind of like how do you how do you like smile and feel proud while kind of taking a deep sigh at the same time? Like that's that's what that's the feeling I have while <laughs> while thinking about that song, you yeah, know. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Yeah, and then onto the wild type. Uh, the wild type, I think, uh, I think like a dark sky holds the moon might oh. be my favorite song from that record. Cool and video. Cool video. Yeah, it's 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 um it's it's a song that I feel like uh, is really marrying together, like the. You know, me me as a songwriter with a band, but also all those things we described before, which was kind of like make it about the song and build the build the instrumentation and the sonic stuff around the song. And I feel like that one really does it well because it still has this kind of like like dark bluesy feel to it while being very uh, very intimate and it has a band but the band itself is kind of like a combination of drum machines and synthesizers but then some real cool electric guitars yeah. and some really cool bass playing so it's kind of like these two concepts bringing it together where it's like I don't know like I, I I feel something when I when I hear that one and I really love what Matt Schusler did to it with mm-hmm. me on the production and then I love what Sean did to it when he was mixing it and like yeah, like if if someone was gonna say like, oh, I'm gonna just check out one track from that record, I'd be like, start there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a great one. That's a great one. Is there a version of uh, I don't know how to love you on that album, or is it like an extended version of the album or something that it's on? It no, it's on there. So yeah. I I yeah, the full title is I don't know how to not love you, and that did appear on this 2010 EP called Separate, and then I redid it for the Wild Type. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So different. Yeah. Scratch that. That would have been, that'd be weird. Then I don't know how to not love you. So for all of you listening, it's not, I don't know how to love you. That just changes the context completely. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Cool. Yeah. You know, there's a, 
I think the sound of a turnaround is like the perfect handoff between those two. Yeah. Like it it re- really does. Not to mention like those are just some, some really, really good songs, but in terms of the production and kind of the, the content of the writing. And I don't know about you, but for me, like I, I really experience music as, as a, as like colors and as kind of um, like imagery. And, and so I think that like, it's weird to describe if you can't see what's happening in my brain, but t- to me, it, it it really like hands off like the color palette and just like the not necessarily like the musical qualities but there's like certain the, the like sonic character of the two it's it's a great handoff so i think i think you did a really awesome job with those two and i think that those i mean you you have a bunch of music out um other songs and obviously that one in between but i mean i think that's a great body of work obviously for you to be touring from and and like such a such like a a great thing to be able to give to your fans like like I was saying before giving them an album of that versus versus a song you know just a song or two songs or whatnot because at the end of the day when you when you're only you when you keep just releasing singles it's it's consistently you're playing the game of what what do I think is the best versus, okay, this is actually just, I'm just releasing more art, you know? So there's goods and there's bad. Right. There's, there's pros and cons, especially in this like music landscape we've described, which is kind of like constantly moving that, you know, by releasing singles staggered, you appear on the timeline more often, you have more stuff to talk about. Whereas if you, you know, spend years making an album and then you feel like the week after it comes out that it's old news already, you're like, well, maybe I should have just released them in like chunks or, yeah. you know, whatever. And, you know, I mean, each artist is different. And again, their their fandoms are different. And the way the way they promote them is different. And, and where you're at, you know, in your own career um, is part of that. Like maybe when you're more on the up and up, trying to reach new listeners, doing singles is good because you never know what song might catch the right listener at the right time. Yeah. But the flip side side of that is you know if you keep releasing singles you don't know exactly like what you just described like you don't know who you, you know are. well right it's hard it's hard to kind of have as an artist it's hard to then have that like full cohesive like this is my album or this is my ep or you know i want you to hear these things in this order or i want you to decide for yourself like you know what kind of ride you want to be on with this album like yeah. <laughs> you know so well, it's almost like if you release a single, it probably does great in the in the um in the in the single emotion name playlist on Spotify. But w- having an album allows you to ride that roller coaster even more, and you know you've got the ups and downs. It's not you're not oh, just yeah. narrowed down to the to the emotional song, you know, to the sad, the melancholy vibe. But uh, yeah, well, I think I think honestly a great playlist to me playlists are all about parties you know like yeah because an incredible playlist is super important and it's great to have it and like you know or maybe a playlist is like a personal thing for you like maybe it's like something you do while you work out or while you're on you know a particular commute or whatever like i get that but for me when i listen to music i i prefer albums or at least at the very least collections of songs or portions of albums you know like that's that's still my preferred uh, way of hearing music um even even like around the holidays like right now it's like yeah there's so much christmas music if you turn on the radio it's going to be non-stop like you know or digital radio or whatever internet radio um but i still like love to talk about 
holiday albums, you know, like, oh, what's your favorite record and why? And like, how does it move you? And like, yeah, there might be some tracks on there that are better than others. That's how every album is. But I still like to think of it that way versus just like, oh, a holiday playlist, you know? <laughs> Dang. That'd be, that'd, be, that'd be interesting to put together a holiday album. That'd be a lot of, that'd be very niche, I think, for like, a, a, you know what I mean? Like, well, it depends on if you're doing classics or if you're doing a lot of your own holiday songs, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the, I find that like I've I've written a handful of songs that are like kind of holiday centric, and if you put them all together, it kind of makes a holiday playlist. But the idea of a holiday album does seem daunting unless you were in fact doing your own renditions of classic songs. <laughs> you know, every song I I don't have really any holiday songs. I have so much music not released, but but like like you're saying, like I've got I've got a few like holiday songs, but none of these holiday songs I've ever written have ever been like. It's a happy Christmas. It's it's just it's just the pa- it's just the passerby mention of the time of year. You know what I mean? It's it's the sure. setting rather and like kind of the the vibe. So I get what you're saying with that. I think that I, to me that I, I like music that and movies things that are straight ahead. Like this is a holiday song or or the Die Hard effect. You know what I mean? Like th- things that are maybe they are but they're not you know they 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 touch on their tangential but um yeah well well totally i mean it's kind of like how you know i can think of like some some albums that i consider to be like oh these are great fall albums and it's like well was that the intent like when was it actually released like you know but but you associate it with something in your brain um like i think winter albums are you know borderline depressing because the winter is like a hard time to feel motivated. It's a hard time to travel. It's a hard time to, you know, do a lot of things. Um, You know, you're not spending as much time outside. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. You know, you know, for some people, the holidays are, are a difficult time, you know? And so, so it's kind of like, I I would love the, the challenge of doing a holiday EP or holiday album of originals, uh, well, of originals, I mean, it would be it'd be a daunting task, but it could be really, really cool. But yeah, I don't know. I just over the years, I guess I've just kind of racked up enough tunes that kind of fit the vibe <laughs> that I could kind of do like a holiday set if needed. <laughs> so talking about, you know, tunes that hit the nail on the head with different emotions and whether that was the intent or not. I, I do have one more game for us to play before you go. Oh, good. And uh, yeah, we are going to be some playlist influencers here. All right. What I've got is I've got a bowl here. And on all these notes are different, uh, different emotions. And I got three levels. I got easy, medium and hard. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go through a few rounds and we're going to pull one out. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're going to find that adjective. And then we're each going to contribute a song that we think oh, is great. centerfold of that that playlist. Yeah, that playlist. So they're all mixed together. Let's see what we get here. I like this game. Yeah, this is this is a fun one. So we got a medium difficulty. And okay. the word is... Can you see that? Uh, lonely. Yeah. Oh, oh, lonely. Lonely. Okay. Now, the one question I have for you here, Larry, and, and there's no wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. Never. Is it supposed to be the first thing that comes to you, or is it supposed to be think about it for like five to ten seconds and then give it give a response? Whatever you think is strongest. Mm. Okay, no. so we're each contributing though, right? It doesn't have to be sad, lonely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be it could be any 
it could be any um it doesn't have to be a primary color you know what i mean you could you mm -hmm. could blend some stuff together mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay uh lonely i'm it's like it's like the gut reaction of course takes me right to like you know all by myself by eric carmen all by yeah. myself like a yeah, very yeah. lonely song a very lonely song but maybe um you know huh i, I mean i was gonna say one of my one of my favorite tunes by john mayer as uh, assassin and uh, assassin you know in a way is this kind of this very lonely song because it's about people who kind of use other people, but then realizing that the person you're using is also using you yeah. and, and how, how lonely of a concept that is. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, man, John Mayer is the wind. He's like the master of like taking this thing. Not only are we going to look at window today or sorry, lonely. I'm, I'm mixing my words up here. We're going to take lonely, but he does this great job of looking at it through the window of another emotion and like that's just how he gets you because it's like there's there's complexity and like depth to the writing but but back to what you're saying so are you thinking assassin is that your i'm thinking so because again i i i think when, and when i say a song about using using somebody i actually more so mean i think his his concept of an assassin in this case is somebody who kind of like gets what they want from like from like an attention standpoint from an intimacy yeah. standpoint and how it's like the the tone is just it's so set it's so it's so cool it's so dark it's so pumping and then the song kind of takes that turn where it's like you're the assassin throughout the song and then you realize that that other person was an assassin as well and that ultimately there's nothing there um and like i i, I don't know I, I i like that as a as applied to lonely i like that yeah 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 that's okay what's yeah. your lonely jam see mine is not as straightforward and it's in a little bit of a different light because to me i'm a bit of a loner in that like i mean as, as a writer like i love i sit in my head way too much i'll be with other people and spacing out on mars somewhere yeah but um my song i'm going i'm going casey musgraves what a long what a long what a lonely weekend which i think mm -hmm. is it, it hits both it's a little melancholy it's a little happy because you're enjoying that you feeling yourself in that time it's, it's a jam day you know you know jammies are like um but you're also like a little sad that you're not with some other people. And I, I definitely feel all those emotions. And uh, yeah, Casey, if you're, if you're listening, if you're watching, she is right here. She is, she is. That was just a moment of silence for her, but uh, for her watching, I just felt, I felt it in my heart. But, uh, <laughs> I put that into the universe, hopefully, <laughs> but um, yeah, that, that, that's going to be mine. Let's go. Let's, let's get another, there's some weird ones in here. That, that okay. Definitely be tough. I'm, I'm ready for the challenge. I like this. Here we go. We got, oh, I grabbed two there. Drum this roll. This is hard. This is hard. Okay. It's a hard one. It says at least. Powerless. Oh, wow. Powerless. Can't see okay. Come on. Oh, come there on. you go. Okay. Now you got it focus now. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Powerless. Okay. I got one. I got one. All of the lights, Kanye West. Yeah, yeah. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. I especially if you really pay attention to those lyrics, man. Those those things hit, and there is a fe- it's it's a contradictory thing, where it's like it feels so powerful, and oftentimes he talks about and sounds so powerful with how he displays his voice in his songs. But despite the aggression and how he's in how he's rapping or singing, like he does a lot of times dip into talking about being lonely and and um and and about like his flaws and i think especially when you listen to the song and the story the story behind that not the story behind the song but the story of the song there's definitely a feeling of powerless powerlessness so i uh, and what a what a banger by the way have you ever listened to the interlude do yourself a favor take 10 15 minutes and just listen top to bottom with it just turn all the lights off in the room though so there's no distractions and just 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 daredevil that shit and just bounce to it so yeah i feel like that is my like that is like my favorite era of kanye right there um oh yeah oh yeah it's like it's like when the it's like where the content met the production values you know like i i just thought it was so so good like what a jammer that's my eight and a half minute mile song (laughs) there you go (laughs) when i gotta push it that extra 30 seconds that's that's what i put on but but I do start with the interlude because I just sense, I sense it coming, even though it's slow. What are you you thinking? You think you got one? I do. I think um, powerless makes me think about kind of just like, you know, like be like in a way, like swimming upstream, like being like, you know, you just like, can't, can't like gain ground or whatever. And, and and makes me think of the song. Uh, I don't know if you know the song, but uh, the song, swimming in the flood by passion pit and i i love that jam and i i feel like powerless applies to it and the concept of like swimming in a flood i think uh yeah can can make you feel pretty pretty powerless <laughs> oh yeah I, I i don't know that song but just i mean that title i i'm terrible at swimming to begin with so swimming in a flood you don't, Even, yeah. you don't know what's under those waters no no i mean it could be crocodiles or alligators or likely to be like likely to be in Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> let's do let's do one or two more here. Okay. Um, here we go. What do we got here? Oh, medium. This is this is okay. an one. We got disapproval. Wow. Disapproval. Mm. Well. Mm, that's a tough one that really is a tough one i think well there was like a gut reaction which would be like surrender cheap trick mm, mommy's all yeah. right daddy's all right just sing a little way yeah sing guitar hero rock the 80s my friend. don't give your heart away um yeah i mean that, that's more of like a instant gratification play um I, i'm I feel like you've got one all ready to go, so I'm I'm interested to hear it. But I I'm also thinking while I'm listening. What is he good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again now, ha. Edwin, uh, Edwin McCain, war. That's uh, that's a, that's that's a good one. I think. Is it the song? Ed- the song "War" as performed by Edwin McCain. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Yes. Uh, I I feel. Like that's obviously during that time of similar but different political strife, you know, now, now and then is something that resonates, you know, it's, it's timeless in the sense of disapproval, 
even though the specific subject matter might be different, you know, it just has, it has that soul and it has that, it, it, it just, it just has it. But uh, to me, to me, I think that's, that, that's just what hit gut, you know, like a uh, gut reaction. That's just what hit me. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Ah, oh, man. You know, what, what one song, a really great song that could, yeah. that could be on this playlist um would be um go your own way by fleetwood mac oh my god um mm. and and again it's kind of like i don't know if it's as much disapproval as much as maybe it is just like be inspired to do your own thing and create your own path but like you know you don't have to agree with the people that you you know that you uh fight beside you know what i mean yeah 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 <laughs> In, well, in, li- I, in, in life i mean maybe yeah. maybe you literally do in, in a actual battle but just you know yeah to, to be able to say i don't agree with what you Smash do Bros. but battle. i but i still respect you and you can go do your own thing <laughs> yeah yeah so how, how okay let's do one more let's let's end on a, let's end on a good one let's let's find this i'm gonna triple shake it is is that just a is that a fishbowl like what is that uh i don't know i you know i i just had this it's a bowl. great it's a great bowl yeah, I mean, I, this is about how much uh, Captain Crunch I would eat. So mm. I think this would be a good cereal bowl. Peanut huh? butter or crunch berries? I'm a classic guy. I like the crunch berries. Sometimes the peanut butter, you know what I mean? But I, I really like the crunch berries, man. That's just classic. I feel like the crunch berries ripped up the roof of my mouth a lot. I have permanent dent. I have, see, that's funny you say that because the roof of my mouth is currently damaged from some crunchy foods. And so I, my mouth always gets torn. I eat one Dorito and my mouth is just, you know, yep. seppuku in my mouth. Seriously. Okay. <laughs> Let's see what we got here. This is it. This is it. Let's see what we got. This is easy. This is the only easy oh, one. Oh, yeah, the yeah. only one. Okay. It might make it the hardest one because Maybe. how I rank them is like each tier got more specific. Okay. We got happy. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Happy. I'm gonna address the elephant in the room and just take happy off the table just for the sake of entertainment. Wow. Yeah. Somewhere somewhere Pharrell is very upset. No, he he'll be good. He'll be good without it. <laughs> but he'll understand. <laughs> uh happy. Later, okay. People. trying to think of it's almost like I'm, I'm i'm wrestling between a song that makes me happy versus a song that i think fits no what makes the you theme. happy or, yeah the but the theme is the th- gonna be more what it makes you feel less of the theme you know uh-huh happy okay well give me give me yours i just you know mm. i'm on the spot here i'm thinking dang, dang i was so wrapped up in what you were saying that i didn't think so here we go just few more so we're, we're both we're both thinking yeah, yeah. here see it this is tough because you want to overcomplicate it it's it's happy and you're like okay well how can i but really would the best song be the more complicated version or would it just be the most basic one that really captures it which makes it hard in and of itself um i'm uh I'm gonna say Van Halen jump. Wow. 
Good choice. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, that song comes on. The, the, the seam around my ankle of my pants just blow out. And <laughs> I'm just ready to dance, man. Like, it just, it just hits. You can't, there's certain Van Halen tunes that you listen to and you, you, you can't not, you get the step, you get like the, I call this one the church step, you know, like. Oh, I've like, got a, I've got a Van Halen playlist that I love for my, uh, you know, distance running because it's. Mm. You, you get that rhythm in your bones and you just go so rhythmic man that's that's dance music as ever for real it is mm-hmm. it, it just hits mm-hmm. so hard yeah yeah that, that's a great great selection there's actually um people need need to do this you need to take a moment and look up on youtube there's a performance of jump that van halen did and it was at some festival i i or no, it may have just been their own concert, but it was, uh, it's in Europe, but just look up jump wrong key. And it is incredible. So what happened was, well, what happened was they're performing this gigantic performance and whoever the audio person is on their, you know, sound guy or whatever, who's, who's running their, um, their like backing track stuff or whatever. It got run through something and all of the background stuff was off by like it's either a half step or a full step it's just the wrong key and the band of course is not prepared for this so then and they're all got any your monitors so they're, they're trying to battle through this performance and it's so bad but there's also this like the audience that's like all going nuts and then like some people start to like kind of check out of going nuts because it's just like a really bad performance and then eddie you know, obviously an incredible musician is like shifting gears and actually like transposing it on the spot to play it in the yeah, key yeah. that the, ba- but, but the rest of the band is not. So the other synthesizers and bass and stuff, it's just, everything is a disaster. And it's a, it, that video makes me happy because it's so funny. It's like the, it's like the Africa vocals, one step up, half a beat behind kind of video. Like it's just terrible. <laughs> Wow. And you know what? You you actually just gave me my answer for Happy, and that is the song Africa by Toto. And the reason I say it is because, not because the content is super happy. I mean, it is a positive, uplifting song. But when I think of that song, I think of a lot of my friends um, from years past who yeah. would would uh, would get down to that song, um, you know. Song makes me miss your Yacht Rock. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and yeah, I'm I'm going to say that because it makes me think of of good times. <laughs> and there's a, you know, something we're all missing right now is being able to be together and just just yeah. get down to Toto's Africa. We we should all go to Africa. Mhm. Thanks for the idea, Dave Chappelle. Um, you know, there's a theory. There's a theory about that song. Yeah. That song is about a vamp. Oh, sorry, a werewolf. It's about being a werewolf. Mm. I would look that up on YouTube. There, there is a pretty compelling argument for that. Okay, so the homework you're giving everybody is, yeah, look up Toto's Africa conspiracy I don't know, theory about I don't it being know about the name a werewolf. Of the video. I don't know the name of the guy that posted it. I don't know what year it came out, but just go type in Africa Toto werewolf. I was gonna say that that yeah, third, that, that that should narrow it down. Yeah, pretty pretty close. So thanks so much for hanging out, Mark. For, yeah, for talking about your two slamming albums so we can check you guys can check him out at mark rose music i think on all social media right or mark rose music.com 
Yeah, markrosemusic.com is a great spot to go to be directed to everything. But, um, you know, Mr. Mark D. Rose on Instagram and Twitter. But Mark Rose Music is my handle for my website and for Facebook. And, you know, if you just search Mark Rose on your uh, wherever you stream music, I should pop up. Great, great, great. So I, I use LimeWire, so hopefully you'll be on there. <laughs> nice. You know what? I'm all for it. I, I Even though I, I was mad about LimeWire, I also miss it i also pirated a bunch of me music- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really didn't i really didn't but i i have plenty of yeah. uh, mixed cds that other people had burned definitely from limewire that were given to me so i understand definitely well you guys go check out his music he's got some awesome music videos on youtube if you love his music so much head over to downright.com you can get him to write you a custom song based on your story and that's uh, right that's right we you know we, we didn't talk too much about downright but please check out Downright custom songwriting platform. Larry's on it. I'm on it. There's yeah. a lot of great, great talented artists. And, and yeah, thank you, Larry. Thanks for the invite. And mm-hmm. it's been a roller coaster year and we haven't been able to hang out much in person, but um, it's been nice to connect with you, uh, you know, in other ways, always through music, but in other ways. So, you yeah. know, thank you uh, for the opportunity to be on the show. Yeah, definitely. Thanks. I'll see you next year when you drop that, that Christmas album, <laughs> a holiday holiday. I don't know if it's all Christmas. That's right. There's a lot of different holidays. So maybe it's a holiday album, all different holidays, though. All right. Cool. Cool. Well, thanks so much for hanging out. And uh, everyone go check them out. You got you take it easy. You guys be safe. Drive home safe from your home to the other room where you sleep. And uh, we'll see you guys <laughs> next time. I'm Larry Anthony. And this is Storytime with Larry Anthony. So peace out. Here we go.